This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here on Sports Radio 810 WHP in Kansas City, our flagship station. And I'm privileged to be with you every Sunday morning live in Kansas City. Our shows are now syndicated around the country in a number of cities. And I'll tell you what, it's an exciting day if you're a Kansas Cityan because it's playoff time. You know, I've been on the radio for 28 years here in Kansas City, my 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And grew up in Kansas City, have worked as a sports psychologist now for 39 years, love going to Chiefs football games. If you listen to the show, you know I've been a fan of the Chiefs. I've worked with them probably, gosh, close to 20 to 25 players privately throughout my career. Had a number of them on the show. And today here in Kansas City, it's the playoffs. And obviously, there's a lot of excitement as the number one seed, the Baltimore Ravens, lost to Tennessee, a juggernaut team that's going on full speed ahead. The AFC Championship game for the second year in a row will be in Kansas City. You know, I, I love working with people. That's what I do. I like to help people accomplish their goals, reach their potential, figure out what they need to do to be successful. And I've had the privilege throughout my career to meet a lot of really incredible people in the world of sports. And today I'm privileged to have one of those people on the show. He's someone I would consider a good friend, a man I met back in the 90s. And he came on my show back then. And uh, through Nick Lowry, the Chiefs kicker. And his name is Al Saunders. He is a veteran of 50 years of coaching, 38 years in the NFL. He is a Super Bowl champion with the St. Louis Rams. And he is taking the time out of his Sunday morning to join us today. Al, thanks for being with us today, my friend. Well, not a problem. It's always my privilege to be with you. Well, thank you, my friend. Listen, this is an exciting time. And you've been in this situation. You've been a head coach. I mean, you've done everything. You've coached all over the place. You've been a head coach, assistant coach, wide receivers coach, offensive coordinator. You coached in the Super Bowl with the Rams when they won it under Dick Vermeil. We've got so many things going on in football today, which I could cut. You and I could talk for hours about all these things. But let's talk about the mental side, if, if you would, today with me and. When it's playoff time, how do teams get ready for this? What's different? Is it different? Do you go through the same things? I mean, you've, you've been around forever. You, you've coached at every level. You're an athlete yourself. You're an a, All-American athlete. You're an All-American swimmer. You're a runner, football player. I mean, you've done it all. How important is the mental side when you get to this, this point? Well, I, I think the, the mental side is important at, at any level. Um, at any phase of a season uh, with your team or in an individual sport, it's probably 
um, the difference between being a champion and, and just being a good player, you know, in, in any level. And it, it, the thing that's a little different about the playoffs is the finality of it. Um, in particular in football, you go through in the NFL a 16-game schedule, and after game 12, you still have another game. After game 5, you still have another game. After game 14, you still have another game. The finality of the playoffs is what really um, kind of takes precedent in terms of of the the feeling of what it's going to be like because if you lose, you're done. And uh, and I, that's why when you watch the games, that last quarter, uh, it's it, there's so much urgency on on both sides of the football, regardless of what the score is. Um, the intensity level picks up a little bit. Um, because there's no tomorrow about it. And the, the hardest thing, I think, from a coaching perspective is to keep level and keep even the emotions that go into it, it because truly it is another game. Um, and what, what some young players do, especially the, <clears throat> those that have not had playoff experience before, and even some coaches, all of a sudden the, the, the pressure of the moment gets to them, and they do things that are uncharacteristic. So uh, the most important thing this week for the teams is to practice how they practiced all week that's, or all year. That's how they got where they are, not try to do anything that's extraordinary in terms of emotion or in terms of, of physical uh, presence, and, and go out and play the game. Uh, the coaches typically do a great job of preparing their teams. Uh, the practices generally aren't very different, um, but they've got to have them ready mentally and emotionally um, to go into an environment that's electrically charged. You can feel that in Kansas City now. I'm sure that people are probably driving into Arrowhead, you know, soaking up those barbecues, getting ready, wearing their red and gold, and getting ready for this game already. There's a, there's an air of, and you said it uh, in the introduction in your program, there's an air of playoffs in the Kansas City area. And, and that isn't lost on the players. And there will be a variety of emotions um, that are in that locker room today and a variety of motions during warm-ups and a variety of motions throughout the game. And it, your your experience in coaching world-class athletes uh, from a mental standpoint and, and your responsibility actually for, for the Chiefs' success in a lot of areas uh, over the years in your dealing with the players, that's what they need right now. <laughs> Some of those guys need someone to sit down with them and say, listen, you know, you've got to do what you got here. Uh, there's no more pressure. It's it's just a, it's another game, and let your your preparation, your training, uh, both mentally, emotionally, and physically take over now, and and just go play. And that's that's the hardest part, I think, for coaches and for players is to get into that zone of allowing themselves to play like they've done all year. There are four key words, Al, that I talk about all the time on this show, and I work with with uh, my clients mm -hmm. with. Preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. And I want to delve into those four words with you today throughout the show. Because what I have found is that when, you get, when you're prepared mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally, when you have your preparation down, you know, that's got to be a consistent process. And then your focus needs to be concentrate on the task at hand, concentrate on what you're doing, and, and identify the distractions that come up along the way. Your attitude... I always talk about three kinds of attitudes, positive, negative, and realistic. But I think a positive, realistic attitude is what players need to have. And be prepared for what happens when things go wrong. Have that at that mindset. And then that comes down to the whole thing with confidence. Because to me, confidence is the foundation of all of it. Do you agree with that? I sure do. You know, And, and all of those things that, that you just mentioned, they don't just take place 
today. You know, those those are built up over a career. They're built up over a season. They're built up over a week of preparation in football. Um, there's probably more preparation in terms of, of learning from week to week because of the game plans, the chaining, the requirements, uh, you know, who people are, are, are matched up against during the course of the game. And one of the, the phrases that we've always used in coaching is you don't necessarily win the game on Sunday. Typically, you lose the game on Sunday, but you win the game during the week in your preparation. And so the design, the strategy that, that Andy and his staff have built up for the Kansas City Chiefs, which they've done a phenomenal job of all year, um, th- those will all come to fruition this week. They've taken and evaluated uh, you know, what the opponents have done. You know, so, so they've got that video to look at. So their plans and their preparation are based on what they've seen. And uh, that preparation is carried over into the meeting room. It's carried over to the players on the field. And if they have prepared properly, if they have the right strategy in place, if they have the right design in place, then the physical preparation that the players have had all year will, will come to fruition That'll, that'll come in, 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 yeah, fruition, exactly. I'm talking with Al Saunders, 50-year veteran of coaching, 38 years in the NFL this morning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products.
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. It's playoff time in Kansas City, and I have a guest with me online today. His name's Al Saunders, 50-year coach. 50 years, Al, you coached 38 years in the NFL. How'd you do that? How'd you, how'd you survive so long? I mean, you've coached so many places, and you've been successful at so many places. How'd you do it? I, th- I think the reason I did is because of the people that I worked for and worked with. Um, you know, one of the great values of coaching, I think, is the relationships that you make with players and, and, and coaches and the staff and the people that there. I spent 15 years in Kansas City, and I think of all my time in coaching, uh, those were mo- my most enjoyable times, um, not only because of the, the, the two coaches I worked for, they're Marty Schottenheimer and Dick Vermeil, but because of the community and, and the players that I came in contact with. It's a, it's a unique business. And uh, What about the barbecue? Well, that's, that's good, too, you know. But an interesting story, just uh, two days ago, um, I get a call from a, a, a fellow by the name of David Clemick. He was a receiver. Uh, he never he played uh, half a year for us and got injured in Kansas City. This was way back in 2001. This was with Dick Vermeil. And uh, he, did, he had just gotten married um, and had called and said, Coach, I want to thank you and your wife for uh, being so gracious to me. When, and I haven't talked to David in 18 years. And uh, he he broke his leg, and my wife would take over dinner to him um, on a nightly basis um, when he was healing up. And, uh, you know, those relationships, and Dick Vermeil was at his wedding. 
And, and so they, they both called, and, and uh, so I was talking to David. But that's what kept me going in coaching for so long was, was I just loved those relationships. Coaches are teachers, and I love to teach. And uh, when you try to help other people and, and you try to improve their performance and make them better, and you, you kind of relish in their, their successes. I was at uh, the Hall of Fame uh, last summer with Tony Gonzalez and his family. You know, and so those kind of things are what are really special. And I, I'd like I'd like to talk about that with you for a second. You know, because you you had a big role in Tony Gonzalez's development, and you coached him. You spent a lot of time with him. Obviously, you know, maybe the greatest tight end to play the game. Uh, what, well, there's a pretty good, there's a pretty good one in uh, Kansas City right now, and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he's that. not he's not done yet, and he may end up being the best. Right? I mean, I I'm a little bit biased. I think he's the best tight end in the league right now. I'll, I'll do respect to George Kittle with with the Forty ers but. Um, and my producer uh, is a Philly, or a Phillies and Eagles fan, so Zach Ertz also. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, the, the relationship that coaches have with athletes, to me, is so important. And, and getting to know you, that's one of the things I respected about you from the players that I knew that knew you, is they respected you because you talked with them. You didn't talk at them. You spent time to get to know them as people. And you, you've told me stories before about, you know, meeting players, meeting their families, getting to know them as people. And isn't that really important? Because, you know, today, and, and, and you know, one of my passions is youth sports. And, uh, you know, my book that we wrote uh, with Jeff Montgomery, Pete Malone, Just Let Them Play, Gunning Parents, Coaches, and Athletes for Youth Sports, that you are so kind to endorse. Um, I, I'm really concerned about kids today and the pressures on them. And is, isn't the role of a coach so, so important, all the way from youth sports, all the way to the professional level? Oh, I don't think there's any question about that, and I think youth coaches can make such a dramatic impact on on young people's lives. You know, not just in sport, but just in the way they view things, the way they react to things. Um, you know, one thing I've always felt, and I've always told this to young coaches coming into the, the business, especially in the National Football League, is when you go into your meeting room, you treat every single player in there like a first round draft choice. It doesn't matter whether they're free agents or whether they're six-round draft picks or whether they're, uh, you know, uh, first-round draft picks. You treat them all the same in terms of respect, in terms of their dignity, in terms of their their preparation, in terms of the time you spend with them. It's just like just like your family. You know, you have four kids or three kids or two kids. You 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 love them all. Um, you like some of them better than others, but you but you love them all. And and so. So you treat them uh, equally well, and, and it's so important for, for youth coaches to get the, to know those players, it's the high school level, the junior high school level, and then the, the level of just those young kids that are just starting to adventure into sports because their, their desire to play, um, their desire to, to continue to play uh, is usually predicated on the way they're taught and, and, and treated by the coaches. I, I coached uh, Little League Baseball there while I was in Kansas City. I coached one of my sons, youngest team, for about five years. And the thing that I told the coaches in those leagues there uh, out in, uh, in Overland Park was you're judged not by how many games you win, but you should be judged by the number of your players that want to come back and play this sport the next year. And, and part of that, you know, we're, the, the young youth coaches, you know, the, the most important thing they can do is teach them good fundamentals, but also teach them the values of playing together, the values of sportsmanship, the values of honesty, the values of hard work, 
uh, you know, and the values of, of what it is to winning and losing is not the most important thing. It's it's what you do in terms of your own abilities and the improvement that you make. And oftentimes the young youth coaches, they get so caught up in it's about them, not about the kids that they're coaching. So I, I think those relationships are absolutely critical. I felt that way uh, as a youth coach. I, I coached in high school. I felt that way. I coached in college. I felt that way. And I've coached in the National Football League. And I don't think I've ever changed because I've seen myself as a teacher an educator and someone who cares about people well i think this is one of the reasons why you and i get along so well because you think uh, equally to, to what i what i think and, and i respect that immensely because i've met so many coaches who don't i mean i i always say a good coach checks his or her ego at the door it's not about the coach it's about the players right that's so true you know and and you know when you get in the national football league or major league baseball or or you know basketball, they, there is a business element to it and a business side to it because all the families are affected because that's how you earn your living and and people take different approaches to that and people get into coaching for different reasons. Um, it's a very lucrative business now when you look at some of the salaries of the, the college coaches in football and basketball and certainly the NFL. Um, it's astronomical what what these guys are getting paid. When I was a head coach in the San Diego, with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, my contract was one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, and that now, was in the late seventies, wasn't it? That was in, no, that was in nineteen eighty-six. I had a three-year contract. Okay, one hundred and twenty-five, hundred and fifty, and one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Now that's not chicken feed by any means, but now I, I think the head coaches in the NFL, in the entry-level head coach, is getting three to five million a year. So, so the attitude of those coaches are probably a little different and. The reason that most of the people that that I know of got into coaching because they wanted to teach and they wanted to make an impact on the lives of the players that they dealt with, and also because of the the excitement and and what they knew, and they felt like it passed on some some wisdom and some learning to to younger people, and then he just kind of grew into being a coach in the major college level or the National Football League. Now people uh, oftentimes get into it because of the financial security that, uh, that goes with having success. We've got to go to our next break here in a few seconds, but I want to get into the, the, what you're talking about here, which is communication and the importance of being a good communicator and being a good listener. And, and you know, mental health now has become talked about much more so than it has in previous years. You know, you and I have talked about the importance of mental health in sports for a long time. And it's something I've discussed on this show to, to many deaf ears, quite frankly. And now we're seeing athletes coming out and talking about being depressed, having to deal with anxiety, having to deal with panic attacks, things like that. And when we get into our next segment, I want to talk about that because being that it is the playoffs, the pressure's on. So how do you handle that so important? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me today is great coach Al Saunders, 50-year veteran of coaching, 38 years in the NFL, a Super Bowl champion with the St. Louis Rams. It's wonderful to have him as a guest. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. 
You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And joining me today is one of the one of the best coaches I've ever met. And I, I've said this several times, but I mean it. His name's Al Saunders. He, are you, are you officially retired now, Al? 
I am officially retired. When we hit hit number 50 of years of coaching, I, I said that that was going to be it, and that was a decision we made uh, a few years ago, and uh, that came about uh, this la- after this last, not this season, but the season before. So I've, th- this year uh, I have been retired, and uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Well, you've raised three kids. You have a wonderful wife. You know, I, I'd like to ask you, and we've got a couple people online we're going to go to in a moment, a couple callers, but I'd like to ask you, uh, this question. Um, how did you prepare for a game mentally as a coach? What What did you do mentally to prepare, especially when it comes to playoff time? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question because that, that's something that uh, kind of transcends over a long period of time. I mean, all the way from training camp all the way through. But typically what I would do uh, in terms of, you know, the evaluation of the team's defensive opponents and our game planning and our strategy going into the game. What I would typically do uh, the day before the game, we would always have a, and and this is universal in the, in the national football league for the most part, generally you have your players, you know, come in Saturday on a Sunday game, come in Saturday morning, go through a, a, you know, like walk through practice and then meetings in terms of, uh, you know, the game planning and maybe the initial calls of the game and, you know, setting the attitude for the game. And then what I would do is I would go back into my office uh, at Arrowhead and I would look at all of the practice video um, of that week and just kind of solidify in my mind uh, the, the, the plays that I felt um, you know, were going to be the most successful based on the way we practiced them. And then I would look uh, at one or two of the latest games that our opponents played. Then I would go home. I would have dinner uh, with my wife and family which is the only night of the week that I was able to do that on a home game. And then I would, I would watch a college football game, and I would turn the sound off, and I would play the game as though we were playing it so that I would be prepared to make calls um, the next day at the game. So when one team would say Kansas was playing Missouri, you know, KU would kick off, and then the first play that uh, Missouri would run, it would be first and 10 on the 25-yard line, I would call a play. Then whatever the next down and distance was, the next down and distance, the next down and distance, then Missouri punted, and KU got the ball, I would call the plays for them. So I would, I would actually play a game, visualize a game, and actually play a game that night um, before I went to the stadium. So I felt like that, you know, the, the preparation was there that you were talking about. The focus of that game, I, I played a game the night before the game that we played. The attitude was that we were going to win. And when I went to the stadium, I had confidence that we were going to win. You know, that, and that's the way I prepared. And everybody does it a little bit different. You know, uh, the next day, game day, was, was I, I would keep the same routine all the time. You know, always talking to the players that I felt needed uh you know, some kind of emotional uh, settling or emotional revving up or uh, some last-minute instructions, and then then we would go play the game. But that that's how I did it myself. Fascinating. That's a fascinating answer, and I, mm-hmm. I respect that. And, and I think it's one of the reasons you were so successful is because you understood the importance of the psychological component of coaching. Yeah, Let's look. And, and one thing one thing you've always said, and I, and I just for the people that are listening, you've always been a proponent of visualization, and that was my way to visualize the game the next day. So I always felt like we were going to have success. I saw it before I did it, you know, and that didn't always work out. But, but for the most part, uh, it gave me a great deal of confidence going in that if we if we had prepared them correctly and, and they were focused and we had the attitude that we needed, we would be successful. Well, research has shown that when athletes visualize, they have an 85 to 90 percent chance of success than if they don't. Let's go to the phones. Out. we got a couple people online here. Let's see what they have to say. Let's first talk to Adrian. Adrian, good morning. Dr. Jacobs, you're on the air. Go ahead. 
Oh, thank you, Dr. Jacobs. Um, I have a question for Coach Saunders. Sure, go ahead. Um, I am a student athlete in high school. I'm on the swim team, and I'm on the football team. Uh, I play a pretty unique position. I'm the kicker on the team. And, you know, I like to visualize, you know, my situation game to game. You know, I, I like to follow the success of Harrison Butker. Um, you know, I admire him. But uh, I have a, a little, you know, situation uh, with my coach, and um, I want to follow a, you know, a game routine, and I want to follow a specific weight program for kickers. But he treats me as if, you know, I'm just any other offensive lineman, linebacker, and as a result, I do um, weights and exercises that don't help me and don't help my swimming at all either. And uh, what is your take on that? That's a great question. Now, what do you think? That's that's an interesting question. What would you say to him? That is a great well, question, and that, um, that that's not that's not unique uh, in in football. And that even happens on the professional level. There, every team has a strength and conditioning coach, and they feel like unique, there's a certain uh, program in, in football, it would be beneficial for the entire team, level. and they end up having everybody do it the same way. Um, and that's not always the case because uh, in any sport is training for specificity is the most important thing to get each individual ready to do the best they can in their particular endeavor. So um, you have a situation uh, that requires, uh, and what Dr. Jacobs said earlier, a key word in all of our lives is communication. And I assume that you've talked to your coach about this. Um, the, the thing that every coach wants is the best performance from each individual. And what I would do if I were you is I would either talk to him directly, which is usually the best way, or maybe there's another coach or a teacher or somebody uh, in that school that might have a pipeline to your coach and sit down and talk with them and explain exactly how you feel, that there are certain exercises and certain weight uh, workouts that you would like to do because you think you think and believe that it would enhance your ability uh, to perform and, and help the football team, because ultimately that's what you want to do. You, you don't want to not do their weight program. Al, let me, let, me ask you a, let me ask you a question now. Should he have his parents possibly come in with him? No. Okay. Agreed, agreed. He should do it no, himself. I, th- I, th- I think that this is something, this is part of the learning process, because 20 years down the road, he's going to have another situation like this where he doesn't agree with the boss that he's working for at uh, Merrill Lynch. He thinks they should invest in something else. And this is a, this is a, a great teaching moment because his intents are, are noble. His intent is to be the very best player that he can be. And maybe the head coach or whoever is doing this weight program has a real sound reason why he should follow this program. Maybe it's overall strength development. Maybe it's something that would be beneficial for him. So it gives the coach an opportunity to present his side. It gives the player an opportunity to present his side. And if that coach has any kind of, uh, uh, you know, compassion or any kind of, uh, you know, intelligence, and I shouldn't say it that way, but if, but if, if well, you if, said it, you said it, and I think you hit it on the head. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing that the thing that I've always said in coaching is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if that, if that coach really cares for his players, then he's going to do everything he can to help that guy get better. But by the same token, there's two sides to every story. So I think the best way, if they haven't already communicated, 
I think that young man, Adrian was his name. Yes. I think Adrian needs to talk to somebody. There's got to be another teacher. There's got to be uh, somebody in that school that he trusts that he might be able to to talk to about this. And then those three get together and talk about That's it. That's great advice. Listen, we've got to go to our next break. Adrian, thanks for your call today. Hope that Thank helps you. you out. Okay, Al, we're going to put you back on hold here. We're going to talk to M.W. when we come back from our commercial break as our next caller. You know, great advice, Al, and, and I think that will help that young man out. Obviously, you've dealt with stuff like this before. You've had to deal with players and coaches who don't agree on certain philosophies, and you hit it on the head. It's about communication. It's how you communicate and how you listen. And I think the way you answered that is why uh, is a great explanation of why you were such a great coach for so long, because you listened to people and you heard them. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me is Al Saunders. Retired NFL coach after 38 years, 50 years of coaching. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. 
and you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. My guest today is Al Saunders, retired NFL coach, 50 years as a coach, 38 years in the NFL. We're having a great conversation. And now let's go back to the phones. We have another caller online. Let's see what MW has to say. MW, good morning. How are you? Yes, uh, Dr. Jacobs, always great to talk to you. And this is a... You know, you always have great guests. I listen to you every uh, Sunday. Well, but, thank uh, this you. Is, this is just a magnificent guest for for this apropos of time and everything else. And uh, Coach Saunders, I I just uh, I want you to know that I I think you fulfilled your purpose, and I've been following you from day one because I'm pretty well read and, and follow all the sports things, and especially the the Chiefs. And I I really do uh, think that you've done just about everything you would hope to do. And it's kind of interesting that. Kind of coincidentally, that it's 50 years of you being in coaching, and and for this to all come down, it's a nice golden anniversary type of a thing, and I'd sure like to see the Chiefs win it all again this year, because then like round numbers is the Kansas City thing. The Royals, you know, made 30 years for their uh, between World Series championships, and it would be wonderful, wonderful to see the uh, Chiefs have a nice little 50-year uh, golden anniversary thing, and. It's always wonderful talking to you, Dr. Jacob and, and Jacobs, and, uh, and, and it's always great to talk to you, uh, Coach Saunders, and, and good luck in whatever endeavor you might choose to pursue, brother. M.W., thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's uh, awfully nice of you to take time to call in and express those sentiments. Yeah, M.W., thanks for calling in. You're, he, he calls in every once in a while. Great guy. Great guy. He always has some good good comments to say. You know, let's, let's talk about Al being that, that it is – the Chiefs and the and the Texans today, and two great quarterbacks. But let me ask you about Patrick Mahomes. You you are an offensive guru. Uh, what do you see in this young man that makes him so unique? You know, I I, I don't know Patrick personally, um, although you know I met him at the combines and, and you know was involved in some evaluation of him prior to the draft. Um, but his physical talents are are. Phenomenal. I mean, this, this guy is so gifted as a passer, and, I, and I'm assuming that his leadership qualities, his preparation, the things that you talk about, you know, his preparation and focus and attitude and his confidence, he has the. So you ought to get into that locker room, write those things on a chalkboard or, or I guess, the grease boards now. Write those things up because if, if the uh, if the uh, Chiefs can follow those four elements of, of, of winning a winning formula, <laughs> they'll win this game. But Patrick Mahomes is just a special talent. You know, th- this is a young guy who has uh, far exceeded many of the quarterbacks that have preceded him uh, in the league in terms of the, the production that he's had. Uh, he's a pleasure to watch. His, his technic- the technical aspect of the game, his, his throwing technique, his motion, his throwing motion, uh, you know, his accuracy is uncanny. Uh, he, he's just really, really special, and, and for having so much success in such a short period of time, I mean, Kansas City, you know, has never really had a, a quarterback 
uh, other than Lenny, you know, Dawson, who has played a long, long period of time there and, and taken the team year after year. And we had, uh, you know, with Joe Montana and, and you know, Elvis Gerbach and, you know, uh, gosh, Steve DeBerg. We had tons of quarterbacks that came through there in the 15 years that I was there. Trent Green played five tremendous years for us. Um, but this 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 is going to be a, a, a 10 15 year quarterback. You've got you've, you've got an Aaron Rodgers. You know you got a Drew Brees. You've got a, you know, a Tom Brady. When it may all be said and done, his, his skills are special. And uh, you know this this whole thing is working out for Kansas City. They they'll end up playing Tennessee if they win this game, which I would expect them to do. Um, and they played Tennessee and, and lost to Tennessee earlier in the year. They played the Texans and lost to the Texans. So they're playing. They'll be playing in this week and today, and then next week they'll be playing two teams they've already faced during the year. They lost to both of them, and uh, I would bet that it would be very difficult to beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice, so this is going to work out great for them. You know, Andy Reid talks quite a bit about the fans here, um, the atmosphere at Arrowhead Stadium, which which I and, and I've been to several stadiums. Obviously not like you. You've been to all of them. Uh is this place a unique place to play? Is there a distinct flavor and atmosphere here that's different? No question about it. Um, it's 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 just so unique because of the, the, the first of all the venue is just one of the iconic venues of the National Football League. The, the visualization, the visual picture when you walk into that stadium with the, the, the Lamar Hunt had designed is just phenomenal. There's no other stadium like it visually. Um, the sound, the way the way the stadium is constructed, all of the noise goes right back down on the field. And I don't know whether that's uh, was by design or just happened to end up that way. But knowing Lamar, it probably was by design. Um, and it's the, underground the whole, too. It's under underground level. Yeah, it, it's just and and the the whole atmosphere. Went, and I, you know, like I said, I coached there for 15 years. Um, and for another, you know, 19 years, uh, I was with another team. And we, for the most part, would always come in and play uh, Kansas City in Kansas City. Uh, I was in the AFC West with Oakland, was in the AFC West with, with San Diego for years. And when we took that bus coming into the stadium with all of those, I mean, first of all, the, the parking lot was generally almost full. And the the smell of the barbecue, the smoke going up, the just the whole atmosphere was you were truly it was Custer's last stand. I mean you were truly all by yourself in there and and, and that's the way it felt. And, so there's an that, intimi- there's an intimidation factor is what I'm hearing you say if you're an opposing team nope. coming into the state. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's as much intimidation as it is the knowledge that this is serious business. I mean, this is not this is not going to be easy. Everybody here. I mean, because they're all wearing chief stuff. They're all. I mean, it's all red. It's just. It's one of the most enjoyable experiences to play, and the noise is just deafening. The, the Kansas City Chiefs fans are so knowledgeable about the game. That's what makes it even more special. Is that they know when to make it loud. They know when to to not make it loud for your own team, and and that in essence um, helps it helps the, uh, the the home team. Uh, it helps Kansas City. We've always felt, or I've always felt, that Marty always felt this way, and, and so did Dick that we had the best home field advantage in the entire National Football League, and, and I, I really believe that. Seattle is a close second, um, but 
but there's nothing like playing in Kansas City if you're an opponent. That's it, a player. That's what players have told me who played on our team and other teams. Let's go back to the phones. We got one more caller real quick before we have to finish up. Let's see what DJ has to say. DJ, good sure. morning. You're on hey, the Dr. Air Coach Saunders. Yeah, I got a quick question for you, uh, Doctor Jacobs, and also for Coach. Uh, the game of emotion in football it just seems to me like the ebb and flow of the emotion has such a dramatic effect on the outcome. What What do you guys have to say about that? Well, Al, you answer that first. Yeah, I, I think that's that's so true. You know, and that's what we said earlier that, that especially in a playoff environment, you that that emotion on I mean, even keel. And part of part of coaching and part of getting players ready and your team ready and you have so many people you got forty seven guys out there that are suited up, you know and and everybody has a different level of emotion with their position with what's transpired during the game. But it's you know the momentum is always a word that everybody uses. But it, that's why you've got to stay focused and and you've got to you've got to have the great preparation and attitude to go into a game because that emotion and that 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 level of, of of uh, kind of the ebb and flow does play a dramatic has a dramatic effect on the outcome of the game. Some people can handle it, some people can't. That's why you need mental health professionals, people like and Dr. Jacobs, you know, dealing with players on an individual basis, because that's probably one of the most significant factors in a playoff game is the ability to control your emotions. Well, listen, this has been a fascinating hour. It's gone. I can't believe we're all, we're finished <clears throat> with our with our interview here. It, it's Really been great to talk to you as always. Your your knowledge and expertise has, has been shared to so many people today. I know our shows are podcasted here on our station on my website, and I know a lot of people would be listening to this. It's been great talking to you. What you, real quick, if you if you were coaching today and you were going to give the pregame talk to the team in thirty seconds, what would you tell them? I tell them we've had great preparation all week. Make sure you stay focused from the kickoff to the end of the game. Your attitude is we will win. You have the opportunity to take this team and go to the next week. It's not guaranteed, but we will do it. We should have confidence. We should go out and play like we played all year, and we'll be the victor. Al Saunders, great advice, and I, I think Andy Reid will probably be sharing that with the Kansas City Chiefs today. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I, I really appreciate the, the knowledge that you yep. share with our listeners. It was my pleasure. And if Adrian, if you have his phone number, you tell him to call me, and I'll call that coach at high school. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know what? We'll, I'll, I'll try to get a hold of him and figure that out for you. Listen, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. That's Coach Al Saunders, one of the greatest coaches I've ever met, one of the best people I've ever met. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810, podcasted on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DRJ Sports Psych. You can also get a hold of me at my office at 816-561-5556 or send me an email at drj at winnerslimited.com. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. 
I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When Dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 